Well, as you get back to your seats, if you could open your Bibles up to the book of Hebrews. Uh, We are going to be starting the book of Hebrews today. You may have noticed that we have, a for you mathematicians, we have a bunch of greater than signs on the stage. So we are, are focusing on Jesus is greater through this series of Hebrews, and so we are starting that today. So if you could turn to Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in the foyer, and I encourage you to grab one of those uh, to follow along today and to take home with you. So Hebrews 1, starting in verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. Amen. When my father retired, he decided that he would write a book about his life. He wanted his family to have a record of his story. One of the most interesting parts of his book was my father's description of some of the girlfriends that he had before he met my mother. I had never met any of these girlfriends. So my dad wrote about some of the qualities in these girlfriends that he liked and some of the qualities in these girlfriends that he did not like. Obviously, my father never loved any of these women enough to marry them, but then he met my mother. He wrote about all the things then that he had in common with my mother. He wrote about her extraordinary qualities. And of course, he wrote about how beautiful she was. And so they got married. And after they got married in my dad's book, he never again once referred to any of these former girlfriends. Apparently, my mother was just better than all these other women. She was greater as far as my father was concerned. This is the way it is for most husbands when they get married. Sadly, though, I sometimes hear about husbands who go through a challenging time in their marriage and they are tempted to return to a former girlfriend. They think, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe my ex-girlfriend is actually better than my wife. Today, we are beginning the study of the book of Hebrews, and the author of Hebrews is addressing a situation in the church, thinking the same kinds of thoughts about Jesus as a husband might think about his wife. Hebrews, as the name suggests, is a book that was written to Jewish Christians. And these Jewish Christians were going through a season of persecution. These Jewish Christians suffered much just because they loved and followed Jesus. And so some of these Jewish Christians were thinking, I thought Jesus would make my life better than this. Maybe I should just go back to my Jewish faith. Maybe I should give up on Jesus. But the author of Hebrews comes alongside these suffering Christians, and he says to them, don't do it. Don't go back to Judaism. Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. I want to speak to your heart in this sermon series on Hebrews I want you to remember that Jesus is greater 
than anything else that you might worship. Jesus is just better. In the first few verses of Hebrews, we will see the wonderful truth that God is a God who speaks. God is not silent. Let's see some of the ways that God speaks, and let's see some of the ways that Jesus is better. First of all, we see in Hebrews that God used to speak through the prophets. Now, today, when you speak to your non-Christian friends about God, what is it that they say to you about God? Many would say confidently, well, God does not exist. Others might say, well, they are agnostic on the whole God question. They don't know whether or not he exists. But they're sure of this. If God exists, he does not speak to us. But what does the author of Hebrews say to us in the very first verse of Hebrews? He tells us two wonderful truths. God exists and God speaks. Amazingly enough, God speaks to us as human beings. God reveals his will and his way to people. There is no communication gap between God and people. God speaks to us. Now, in the past, how did God speak? We see in verse 1 that in the past, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. Now, the fathers in this verse that the author of Hebrews is referring to is the Hebrew Christians' Jewish ancestors. God would speak to these ancestors through intermediaries, through prophets who had a word for them from God. When God wanted to say something to the Jewish people, he would send one of his prophets, whether that prophet was Moses or Samuel or Isaiah or someone else. And when the prophet spoke to the Jewish people, who was it who was actually doing the talking? Was it just the prophet? No. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 says that it was God speaking. God spoke to his people through the prophets. And we have those words of the prophets collected in a book. And what is the name of that book? It is actually the Old Testament. It is the first section of the Bibles that we have today. We're going to see in the book of Hebrews that the author of Hebrews loves the Old Testament. He refers to it often in his book. And yet when I talk to some Christians today, they are not so excited about the Old Testament. They will say things like, it's old. It's irrelevant. It's wrong. It's not worth reading. But here's what I want you to understand about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is not irrelevant. There's nothing wrong with the Old Testament. It is just incomplete. Years ago, my younger brother and I went to see a movie in the theater. And for some reason, about two-thirds of the way through the movie, the fire alarm went off. Uh, there was no smoke in the building, there was no fire, but we all had to empty out the building so that when the firefighters came, they could check out the whole building to make sure there was no fire. 
And while we were outside, my brother and I were having a conversation. We were saying it, you know, should we wait to go back and see the end of the movie or, or should we just go home? Well, because we were enjoying the movie very much, we decided we were going to stay. We wanted to see how the story would end. If we left at that moment, the story of the movie would have been incomplete. Church, that is the Old Testament. The Old Testament is an incomplete story. The Old Testament is just as much the Word of God for us as is the New Testament. But the Old Testament is an unfinished story. The Old Testament needs Jesus to finish it and fulfill it. Every morning after I wake up, I pick up my Bible to read it. And sometimes when I read in the Bible, I read from the Old Testament as well as the New. Now, why do I do that? Because in the Bible, I read the very words of God for me. The God who made me and loves me. The God who saved me. The God who has the whole world in his hands. He has a word for me. Can you believe that? God wants to speak to me. In the words of Tony the Tiger, those words of God are not just good. They're great. Great words that God has for me. What a privilege I have to hear the words of God from both the New Testament and the Old Testament. I desperately need to listen to these words of God that he has spoken through the prophets for me. But we're going to see in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is better. So God has now spoken through Jesus. As great as the words of God spoken through the prophets are, there is an even greater word, and that greater word is Jesus. Jesus is God's final word. He is the fulfillment of God's plan and the end of God's story. The author of Hebrews then is agreeing with the Jewish Christians that to have God speak to us through the prophets is indeed great. But the author is saying, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater because according to verse 2, Jesus has spoken to us in these last days. In the Old Testament words that the prophets spoke, God made promises to save his people. But now that Jesus has come to earth, those saving promises of God have been fulfilled. And because the saving promises of God have been fulfilled in Jesus, we are now living in the last days. We are a very privileged people. Jesus is bringing the story of God's salvation for us. He's bringing that story to a close. And the beginning of the end came when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was resurrected, and then ascended into heaven. And the end of those last days will come when Jesus returns to earth to bring us as his people home to heaven. Jesus is a greater word 
than the words of the Old Testament prophets, not just because he has brought in the last days of history as the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus is also a greater word because he is God's Son. God has spoken to us by his Son, the author says in verse 2. When God finished speaking through the prophets, he no longer sent to us representatives and emissaries in the form of prophets to speak to us. No, God sent himself in the second person of the Trinity. God paid a personal visit to his people. God sent his Son, Jesus. God has spoken to us his last and his best word. No further word is to be expected or is needed. Some of you might remember a story that Jesus told from Matthew chapter 21 about a vineyard owner who lent out his vineyard to a group of tenant farmers. And when the vineyard owner wanted to collect some of the fruit at the end of the harvest, Jesus says the owner sent out his servants to collect the fruit. In Jesus' story, those servants were equivalent to God's prophets. God spoke through those prophets, and God expected his people to produce good fruit in obeying the words of the prophets. Unfortunately, in Jesus' story and in history, God's prophets were beaten, stoned, and killed. But after that, the vineyard owner who represents God, after he had sent his servants, who was the last person that the vineyard owner sent to those tenant farmers? Do you remember who that was? Let's read out loud from Matthew chapter 21, 37 and 38. Let's read together. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. God then first sent his prophets. But then in these last days, he has sent to us his son. And the son was killed so that by his death, he might save us. That is what Jesus says in his parable, the vineyard owner. And that is what the author of the book of Hebrews also says. God first sent prophets, but then he sent his son. Now, at this point, some of you might be saying, well, okay, I see that Jesus is greater than the prophets because he is the fulfillment of what the prophets said would come. And I see that Jesus is greater than the prophets also because he is the son of God. He is not just a servant. But how else is Jesus greater than the prophets? At this point, I'd like, to see, I'd like for you to see that the author of Hebrews talks about how Jesus in his ministry has three offices or roles. Jesus is God's prophet, priest, and king. And so let's look first at how Jesus is king for us. We see that Jesus has the role of king in verse 2. Jesus is called here the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. Let's begin with the fact that Jesus was God's agent of creation. 
How incredible this must have sounded to these Jewish readers as they read the book of Hebrews. Just a few decades previous, this Jesus was killed on a cross. That was a fact that the whole church knew. But now the writer of Hebrews is saying, this same Jesus who died on a cross, he made the whole world. Would that be a mind-blowing truth for those people to read that? Jesus, a human being who died on a cross, that same Jesus made the whole world that we live in. And so what he is saying here is that this Jesus has the same attributes of God. God is creator. Jesus is creator. What is true of God is also true of Jesus. Jesus as the second person in the Trinity is God's agent of creation. God is king over everything that he has made. And so is Jesus. Because Jesus is the maker of the universe, it is no surprise then in verse 3, when the writer says that Jesus upholds the universe today by the word of his power. Jesus is Lord of the universe, King of kings, King over everything. Now, is that true of any of the prophets that spoke the words of God in the Old Testament? No. Only Jesus is King, the writer of Hebrews is saying. And as the King of the universe, Jesus stands to inherit everything in the universe. Jesus, as God's Son, is heir to the throne. Jesus then will not only inherit everything on earth, he will inherit everything in the universe. Now, some of you might say, yeah, yep, yeah, I know that Jesus is king, but what difference does that make to me today? Briefly, here are two ways that it makes a difference for you that Jesus is king. First, you know the king of the universe. You are on a first-name basis with the king over all things. Do you realize what that means? You don't have to worry. You know the king. And the king has power to take care of everything. And I mean everything that worries you. That's what it means for you that Jesus is king. Second, as king, Jesus will not lose. Nothing ever would and nothing ever could defeat Jesus. As human beings, our life is about loss. We lose our hair, right men? It goes as we age. And for all of us, we lose our health. We lose our jobs. We lose relationships that are important to us. And eventually, we lose our lives. But what is true about Jesus? Jesus just does not lose. He cannot lose because he is the king 
over all things. Not even death could defeat Jesus. He is king even over death. Because you are connected to Jesus as part of his body, you can know with assurance that in the long run, you are not going to lose either. You have a treasure that lasts forever in Jesus the King. You will inherit what Jesus inherits. Well, Jesus not only has the role of king, he also has the role of prophet. We see that in Hebrews 1, that we have seen that a prophet speaks the very words of God to the people. A prophet reveals to the people who God is. A prophet reveals the will and the ways of God. Well, who can reveal God better than God himself? God the Son, Jesus, reveals God the Father to us. Verse 3 says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. In the Old Testament, the glory of God was a sign that God was present with his people. And so, when God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, what was there? The glory of God was present on that mountain to show people God is here. God is among you. And when the glory of the Lord filled both the tabernacle and the temple, what was God saying? God is here. His glory is here. God is among us in His glory. And so now in Hebrews 1, we read that the glory of God, his brilliant brightness, has radiated out from God the Father, and it has settled on one human being. And what is that human being's name? Jesus. The glory of God has settled on Christ. The Son is the splendor of the Father, the shining out of the Father's brilliant glory. And this glory of God that has settled on Jesus was a sign that God was with his people in Jesus Christ. Nowhere was the glory of God more perfectly revealed than in the person of God's Son, the prophet Jesus. Jesus is the glorious one. Then we read in verse 3 that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. What does that mean for us? It means that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Isn't that amazing? You've seen God if you've seen Jesus. That was certainly not true of any of God's prophets. Jesus is greater than the prophets. This word imprint in verse 3 refers to the image on a coin. Do you remember when Jesus was asked the question whether or not it was right to pay taxes to Caesar? Remember when Jesus was asked that? He held up before the people a coin, right? And what was the picture that was on that coin? Do you remember whose picture was on it? It was the picture of Caesar, right? He said, "Uh, whose, whose picture is this? Whose imprint is this? Everybody knew, well, that's Caesar. That's a picture of who Caesar is. 
And so when the author of Hebrews says that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature, he is saying that when you look at Jesus, you are in fact looking at God. Jesus is the exact and perfect match for God. He is Jesus is, in fact, a separate person from God, as this second person of the Trinity. But he is an exact copy of God his Father. And that is not true at all of any prophet of God. Finally, we see in Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus has the role of priest. Now, in the Old Testament, what was the number one item on the job description for a priest? The priests made sacrifices for the sins of the people. That was their first item on their job description. What do priests do? They make sacrifices for the sins of the people. That's what a priest does. And we read in verse 3 that after making purification for sins, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So there is one detail here in verse 3 that makes it clear that Jesus' work as priest was far, far greater than the work of any human priest. And that detail is that after Jesus offered up himself on the cross, he sat down. Now what's so unusual about Jesus sitting down? In the tabernacle and the temple, there were no chairs. You'd say, really? It must have been a long day for those priests. Why didn't they have any chairs for the priests to sit down on? The priests never sat down. Why not? Some of you might have ever heard your mother say, a mother's work is never done. Did you hear that? Any of you moms ever say that? Well, what was true for a mother is also true for the priests. The priests never stopped working. The priests never stopped offering up sacrifices because the people never stopped sinning. And so the priests had to keep on working. Their, their work was never done. And their work was also never done because the animal sacrifices that the priests offered up were not good enough to completely take away the people's sins. Those animal sacrifices just couldn't get the job done. The animal sacrifices were instead a symbol that pointed forward to a greater sacrifice that would one day be offered. And that greater sacrifice was the sacrifice of Jesus. The sacrifice of Jesus, the perfectly righteous Lamb of God, would take care of sin once and for all. And so when Jesus offered up himself, as the perfect sacrifice, what did he do afterwards? He sat down. The work of dealing with sin was over when Jesus died for our sins. Jesus achieved for us what we could never achieve for ourselves. The law of God said to us, do this. It demanded that we work. But Jesus came and died for us on the cross. And he said to us, believe this. If we trust that Christ died for our sin, we can be cleansed of our sin 
by our great high priest, Jesus. Church, as we close today, I want to ask you a question. It's a question I want you to ask yourself throughout this series in Hebrews. What looks greater to you today than Jesus? What is it that you are tempted to believe is greater than even Jesus? The author of Hebrews wrote to a group of people who might have been tempted to think that the Old Testament prophets were greater than Jesus. But the writer of Hebrews says, no, Jesus is greater. Well, what do you think is greater than Jesus? I want you to remember this picture behind me and these greater than symbols throughout the stage. We're not looking to have you become better at math by having all of these greater than symbols. What we are looking for you to do in these next few months is to believe that Jesus is greater than everything. So what do you think is greater than Jesus? Is your boyfriend greater than Jesus? No, Jesus is greater. Do you think your job is greater than Jesus? Nope, Jesus is greater. Do you think your diet plan or your exercise plan is greater than Jesus? No, Jesus is greater. Do you think your smartphone is greater than Jesus? No, Jesus is greater. Do you think your sports team on this Super Bowl Sunday is greater than Jesus? No, Jesus is greater. Do you think your political team is greater than Jesus? No. Jesus is the great king. He's the only one that we should worship. Church, Jesus is greater than everything and everyone. He is our prophet, priest, and king. Give your heart then to Jesus and don't let anyone try to tell you or convince you that there is something or someone out there that is greater than Jesus. Jesus is greater. Let's pray together. Jesus, what a great God you are. What a great Savior you are. It is only because you came and died for our sins on the cross that we are completely forgiven before God. Thank you for coming to earth for us. Thank you that you are worthy of our worship today. Remove from us our idols. Help us to see that these things that we are tempted to worship, they are nothing in comparison with you. Return our hearts to you. Restore our hearts to worship of you and you alone. In your great name we pray. Amen.